It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. We love charities that rock and rock and roll, and we are here today to talk about a benefit concert uh, with a great cause in mind. Our special guest is Gina Bardock. Hi, Gina. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for coming in and sharing your story with us and what you do as the executive director of Hope and Overcoming and the concert you guys are putting on and who it's going to benefit. Tell us about uh, Hope and Overcoming and what you guys do. Hope and Overcoming Incorporated is a organization that um, has a goal of facilitating the conversation of substance use disorder and addiction among those that are in recovery and um, just, and for those like just starting in the addiction world and helping the families, um, helping to educate misinformed and under and understanding with empathy. Um, we like to try to change denial to hope and just become a powerful community um, that can be heard. So uh, through the course of your life, you've, I'm going to assume, been touched by some addiction, and, uh, and you've used that to power uh, yourself and this organization. Is that uh, correct? Correct. Um, my son was actually addicted to heroin for two or three years and had experienced, uh, experimented with opiate and prescription pills prior to that, um, both at Fishers High School and then at Indiana University. And he is now almost three years clean and sober. That is fantastic. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that story with us. And uh, I'm so glad and happy that that he's turned his life around and that you've used this story or, or any part of that story to, to really help other people. Um, is he involved with this organization as well? He is. Um, the whole reason we we even started this a year and a half after he had become clean is because he continued to lose friends, like in death. They died. Wow. Um so in September of 2014, um, at the end of September, he came over to tell me that another lifelong friend of his from junior high and on um, had passed away, and that was actually the 16th person that died. That he knew? Yes, from Hamilton County. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. So it was really hard for him for a long time because the mental and physical symptoms even when you're in recovery like take a couple years to go away so like he would have nightmares that would cause like sweats and he'd even wake up sick and shaking and um so it took a while but you know with a recovery support network and a group of people um, that support him and going to groups and having his family involved really helped so he didn't have to hide anything or be ashamed. So um, he's actually gone to intensive training to become a crisis and soft interventionist as well. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I cannot get over that number of 16 of his own 
acquaintances and friends had As passed on. Weekend, 21. Uh, uh, 21 now? Unbelievable. Yeah. So you know, you know, our listeners are thinking, okay, I, I may be going through the same thing. My son or daughter is addicted to some sort of drug that, there, that with some horrible consequences and bad news maybe in the future. You, you and your son beat this. Um, you overcame it, hope and overcoming. There we go. So right. I guess, you know, this is a nutshell question, but can you put it in a nutshell to give some hope to some other parents out there? How do you attack this? What's your first step in dealing with this? I always say silence kills and speaking saves lives. So like, like me, there's probably a lot of people every day that discover that somebody in their family is involved in addiction. And the first thing that they think is, oh my God, what do I do? I don't know anything about it. And the second thing they think is, what would my friends say? What would my coworkers say? I can't let anybody know. And it's just the stigmatized, um, the stereotype that goes with it. So you cannot be afraid. You have, you have to speak up because if you don't reach out and you try to handle it yourself and you don't understand it and you don't get help, um, if you don't find recovery, the only two other options are you're going to end up in jail or they're going to end up dead. And that's a fact. So you cannot be afraid. You have to understand the power that the drugs have over people. And it's nothing as a parent you can do to fix it. Like when they were little, we could just fix it with a Band-Aid or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it doesn't really, it, it, just, it, ta- and it and it takes more than the parents knowing what to do. It takes a lot of um, time and work and pain for that person to understand I can't do this anymore. They have to need and want to get help themselves. So our our favorite thing to do is really just get the whole family involved and realize it's a family disease because it starts affecting everybody. Mm-hmm. And you have to pull together and help that person. And most of the time, there, it ends up being, you know, it's a mental health issue. There's um, genetics involved with addiction. And when the person realizes that <clears throat> they're not shameful and hopeless and worthless in that there's a reason this addiction started in the first place and everybody has an ism everybody has their own ism and something in life kind of brought them to that it's easier for them to say okay I want to get help so your son you know you you just said and we've heard this in addiction and recovery um, you can't really help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves so your son got to that point uh, through a three-year addiction, I'm sure, as, as his mother, you were saying, you need help, you need help, you need help. It's falling on deaf ears. After uh, several of his friends had passed on through it because of their addiction problems, that really was what opened his eyes and made him want to get help. Was it that his friends were passing on, or what really was the, I guess, culmination for him to say, yeah, this is no way to live? Sadly, uh, there were times he would go to a funeral he didn't want to use anymore, but his body couldn't live without it. So he was very sick. I mean, it causes vomiting and seizures. So he would use again, even though he didn't want to. Just to feel better. Right, to feel normal again. Um, so he didn't want to do it for probably 10 months. And then we'd put him in somewhere, but the thing is they can walk out because we don't have control of them. They're over 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, our 
our conclusion, uh, you know, I wouldn't let them stay in the house. There's certain things. You have to let them know you love them and that you care, but you're also not going to support them. And when you want to get help, I'll be in your life and I'll be here to help you. Um, and he just said, I can't do this anymore. So we sent him out of state. We actually sent him to California with family. And um, he left at 140 pounds, and he came back like 210. <laughs> he was ready. So he came back five months later, re-entered the same environment he came from, which made us really, really nervous sure. to come back to the same area where everybody was using. And um, he just mentally was there. He wanted nothing to do with it. He had no medication assistance, and he just closed off his circle I mean he was the guy that had a hundred best friends like all of them are my best best friend so now he has like four you just cut him off yeah. he was just mentally there yeah well I have to tell you you know congratulations and um you beat something a lot of families can't beat I want to meet this kid I want to <laughs> shake his I want to give him a hug uh have him on the show is he going to be at this uh music festival he is going to be there. Um, his name's Brandon. He's actually going to be a security guy for a couple hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, well, give um, him my name so he doesn't throw me out. <laughs> um, let's talk about this show real quick. It's uh, February 27th. The uh, title is fantastic. It's called Face the Music. Right. I love those kind of double meetings. You, you know, there's a music <laughs> festival. You've got to face the music, face your addiction. Uh, face the Music is February 27th at the Mill Top in Noblesville. And um, if our listeners want to go, or uh, are there tickets involved? Is this uh, how do they how do they get to go to this show? Actually, anybody can go, and there's free entry. Free, free. Our favorite F word. Free. Okay, free <laughs> tickets. So just uh, show up and enjoy the day, huh? Right. Okay. We are taking donations at the door. We are a nonprofit, so our goal for this is not only to unite everyone together to show that we need change and, and to give more recovery options to people everywhere. But, but um, we want everybody to be able to come without having to buy a ticket, um, just so that they can all, the more the better. Yeah. And, and the, the more people are uniting together, the more powerful it becomes. Well, and, you know, when you do pass the hat, sometimes you end up making – uh, more fundraising than if you sold a ticket. Because uh, just as a consumer, I'm less likely to buy a $20 ticket than I am to go to this and out of the goodness of my own heart, just give $30. So, right. uh, or if it, I shouldn't have given a number. If you want to give $1,000, give $1,000. Um, let's say our listeners uh, want to support this, but they can't really go to the show. Uh, can they donate online or anywhere? We do. There's several ways. We have a website. Um, www.hopeandovercoming.org and there's a donation button right there on the front page um, any you know anything five dollars you know if if a hundred people gave ten bucks there's a thousand absolutely um, so we do that and and that goes around you know it's online it goes around social media 
And we do uh, mailings twice a year with um, donor cards as well. Okay. So hopeandovercoming.org if you'd like to donate online, uh, if you want to donate in person and enjoy a great day of music. Uh, February 27th, the Milltop in Noblesville is Face the Music. Now let's talk about some of the artists playing and uh, some of your favorites that are going to be on stage jamming. <laughs> We're talking pure rock and roll. Is there some uh, country going on? What kind of formats and genres are we hitting? We're trying to reach a, a good, broad spectrum in, with our audience, so we want to have a lot of different styles. Um, I know DPZ, um, I think they're a little bit more rock um, and maybe more alternative. And then we do have um, like some country, a little bit of country. There's actually one guy that's going to rap a couple songs, and he's really good, and all his music is about his time in addiction and, and jail and um, just his life during that time. Um, but then, like, you know, a lot of pop and, and um, there's actually a soul, like jazz, that's starting out the day. Mm -hmm. And um, and then Bobby Hayden Jr., who was, like, the big hair band rocker guy in the 80s <laughs> with Rick Bozzo. And um, they, they actually ended up on Skid Row in L.A. after, uh, remember uh, when MTV had VJs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, they've interviewed with Martha Quinn on MTV back when they actually played videos all day. Mm -hmm. And um, ended up in addiction and living on Skid Row and for years yeah. and became homeless. So they're, they're really awesome, great guys, and they go all over the country playing. And they, they do a lot of Christian music, and they do a lot of um, soft rock, and a lot of it has to do with finding recovery. It's uh, funny you mentioned Bobby Hayden Jr. because when I first heard of Face the Music, I was looking at some of the names that are going to be playing, and and that jumped out at me because it said he'd been interviewed by Martha Quinn on MTV back in the '80s. So I went, you know, YouTube the guy. There's an unbelievable video from him in the mid '80s, hairband era. It is pure hairband, and uh, like you said, he'd gone through Skid Row. I, I believe he also. Um, runs an organization called Cardboard Ministries, where cardboard he, box. Cardboard Box Ministries, because he lived in a cardboard box in Hollywood, and, <laughs> and now he's, uh, he's clean and sober, and he's Christian, and he, he's a minister. He's a cardboard yeah. box minister, so uh, that is going to be a, a one heck of an act to see. Uh, I'd like to, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, so I, you know, I like some hairband stuff, so I'm going to, I'll be rocking out with him in the front row for sure. <laughs> um, the free concert, February 27th, it's Face the Music at the Milltop in Noble our guest is Gina Bardock. She's the executive director of Hope and Overcoming. That's the, um, the foundation that's uh, putting on this uh, concert. And you do so much more than just uh, this kind of event. Tell us about some of the other, um, um, I guess, projects or partnerships that you work on. Well, besides the fact we do family support groups, we do education, like addiction education groups as well, to help families and spouses and siblings understand what their family is going through. And we do advocacy work. So we helped um, in testimony at the State House, my son did, um, so that Narcan could become a prescription. Um, available to 
anybody to have. And Narcan is the reversal antidote of an overdose. So you can save somebody's life by injecting them either like a nasal injection or mu muscular um, injection. And um, then our goal is to open a sober living facility for women. Uh, women are traditionally one of the lower risk people in addiction, and they're just they're right up there with with the males. And, and what, I hate to interrupt, but what do, what do you mean by they're lower risk? You mean because they're not more as likely to to beat somebody up, to go to jail for assault, <laughs> that kind of thing. Normally, um, there's three categories that are low risk to fall into addiction, and that's female people with private insurance, their own insurance, and higher income. But due to, um, like, prescription pills being so easily accessible and kind of the fix-all thing the last two decades, fix mm -hmm. everything with a pill, fix everything with a pill, um, that's where the crisis began. So there's there's just as many females out there that had their own insurance that could go to pain management doctors. Now those doctors and those those offices are getting shut down left and right. People are sick. They have to have it. So the next and easiest thing to do when they realize that heroin and Percocet, Vicodin, Oxycontin, Oxycodone, all these, they're pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. um, you can get heroin for 5 or $10 you can be high for, you know, six, eight hours. So it's a lot cheaper. So we have a lot of, of women addicted to opiates and, you know, illicit drugs, whether it be prescription or heroin. Um, and they don't want to get, they're afraid to go, they can't get treatment, they have children. So we have a generation of, probably in our organization, we must have a hundred or more grandparents raising their grandchildren. We have a couple great grandparents raising great grandchildren um, because they either died or they ended up in prison. We want them to get help. And you're, you're saying since they have children, they're reluctant to go get help because they don't want to lose their children. They have nowhere for the kids to go. Um, or they're afraid DCS will get involved and take them and they won't get them back. So we're really trying to change the conversation and educate our courts and judges and law enforcement so that they understand this, how this disease works. And they're not harming anybody. They're harming themselves. And they should be able to get treatment like anything else. If they had cancer, DCS isn't going to come take your kids away. Right. So we have been able to partner with Safe Families and Children, and it is a nationwide organization, and they can help provide care for you know babies, five-year-old, you know school-age children. They can take care of your children while the mother can get treatment and get her life back together and learn how to self-sustain. And um, they are not paid to do it. And so our goal is to provide them treatment while their kids are being taken care of, and then we can help coach them back into their you know regular environment while raising their kids. We've got sober coaches and recovery coaches, people that can help them maintain sobriety. So those facilities, there aren't that many of them, is what you were telling me earlier, for women. And you, hope and overcoming, uh, are going to start 
your own facility for, for addicted for for women that are addicted. Um, now, besides your own story and your son, I mean that's such a fantastic success story. Um, can you? T- I'm putting you on the spot right now. I, I apologize, but can you t- tell me another success story? Uh, it's so tragic to hear that your your son has 21 friends that have passed on due to addiction. Let, uh, let's focus on a positive story. Um, whether it's a friend, a family, or somebody that's, that you've met through Hope and Overcoming at one of these uh, uh, um, foundation events or projects that has come up to you and said, Gina, I just want to thank you because of this and, and, and a great success story you can share with our listeners. There's so many, but the one that always stands out to me the most, um, it, and it, a lot of these have happened because of our organization. Um, we've been able to send over 50 people to treatment and only 11 of them had insurance. So my favorite, um, it's just remarkable, a, a young man calls me or sent a, a message through Facebook on our organization page, and he was telling me that he's living in his car, my mom knows you, she goes to your support groups, um, I can't be home anymore, I've done everything wrong to my parents, I don't blame them, I don't belong there. Um, I've been doing this seven years. I don't know how to stop. I, my mom thinks I don't love her. I do. I just don't know how to love myself. I don't know how to get through this. I don't have help. Half my friends are dead. The other half are in prison. I don't even know how I'm alive. I may not make it tonight, but if I'm alive tomorrow, will you please help me? Wow. (laughs) I, I was, I was freaking out because... It came through my other messages, not through my direct messages, like kind of like spam on Facebook (laughs) because he wasn't a Facebook friend. And I had been in Washington, D.C., actually doing advocacy work for addiction. And so I didn't get that through my phone. And when I got the message, it was about 24 hours old, and I panicked because the window of opportunity when somebody says, I want help, I mean, you really got to go like right then, maybe 30 minutes, get him right then. And he had left his number and I called and he actually answered. And he was in a Coles parking lot and he had another girl with him. She's not my girlfriend, but we're both in the same position. So um, we spent a lot of time on the phone talk to his mom, talk to him again. I want to get help, but I want this girl to get help too. She has nobody to help her. Okay, okay, we're going to figure it out. So um, one of the guys who's an interventionist for our organization um, got on the phone with the parents too to try to help explain why, you know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And I know you've done all this, you've done that. We're going to send him out of state. We're going to get him help. And we were able to get him on the Affordable Care Act, so the family just had a monthly premium to pay. And instead of, you know, $500 a day, $1,000 a day, it cost him like $250 a month. And they finally agreed, and he got on a plane, and so did the girl. And that was in early October, and he's still there, and he's considered like, one of the leaders of everybody out there in that facility, and he's gained weight, his skin's clear, he sends pictures, he's, I can't thank you enough. And he sent me a text the other night concerned about another girl we had sent out there recently 
who ended up in the hospital, and he's like, I want to do whatever I can to help her. And now he's reaching out and trying to help people. And, um, you know, it's just been like four months now, but he said, I, I never thought I would make it to 2016. His mom thought she'd never see the day. And she would sit in our support group meetings and cry, and now she comes to um, really share her story to give other parents hope. Mm-hmm. to let them know it can happen. So uh, because all they do is wait for phone calls to hear that they're dead. So it's just crazy. I mean, seven years living in his car. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he went. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great story. He had no hope, uh, reaches out to you months later. He's he's doing it. He's doing it, and not only yeah. for himself, but it, like you said, he's he's in the position to help other people too. Yeah. That were where he was six months yeah. ago. Yeah. That don't think there is light at the end of the tunnel, and there is. And these conversations are fantastic. Uh, we appreciate your work and being able to share uh, these stories with us. Uh, our guest has been Gina Bardock, the executive director of Hope and Overcoming. More information at hopeandovercoming.org. Um, We are promoting their big music festival. It's called Face the Music. That's February 27th at the Milltop in Noblesville. I'm going to go to the show with my equipment and do interviews from the event and interview some of the artists that are there. You've got some featured keynote speakers, so we'll do a follow-up report on the event. And uh, we'd love to have you on this show more often as a recurring guest to talk about recovery, addiction, and more stories like this. Because I think the more times... Uh, people listening that have an issue that maybe, like you said, are afraid to tell somebody about it, silence, that's the worst thing you can do. Once you hear these conversations, maybe it'll bring some more people out of the out of the darkness to get some help for them and their family, too. So, Gina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Hi, this is head coach June Doherty from Washington State Women's Basketball, and you're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. The broadcast rolls on uh, near Pittsburgh on the campus of Penn State Greater Allegheny. Our guest is Jim Chester. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? Tell us real. I'm great. Tell us real quick about Penn State uh, Alle- Greater Allegheny. Uh, we're we're a little south uh, southeast of Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, we're about 15 miles from Pittsburgh. Uh, we are one of the 24 Commonwealth campuses of Penn State University. 24? Yes, sir. 24 spread out all across the Commonwealth. Oh my, I had no idea. I mean, I knew Pennsylvania was a was a wide state, um, and I knew Penn State was a big deal. But 20, I'm that's amazing to me. 24. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have about 700 students here. You know, we uh, we offer every degree that Penn State offers at least the first two years of it. Um, we have some four-year majors here, along with a lot of four-year athletic programs. Okay, so that's Penn State Greater Allegheny, and as uh, athletic director, you oversee uh, the student athletes, about two, three hundred of them. Yeah, well, actually, a little, little less than uh, two hundred, but uh, you okay. know, we have nine varsity sports this year. We've grown to, uh, that over the last five years. Uh, we've grow, been growing every year. We've added a sport every year, and just continuing to grow every year. What's the last sport you've added? We just added men's and women's soccer this fall. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, well, as athletic director, we bring you on this show, and we come to your campus to talk about integrity and character and community service. So uh, we all know that to be a student athlete, you need a lot of leadership skills, and a lot of times with these young people and their leadership skills uh, off the court, off the field, they accomplish some great things. Tell us about the community service within your own 
athletic department? Well, every year uh, for the past five years, we go over to Auburly. Auburly is a home for at-risk youth right across the street here. We do an all-sports clinic. Uh, we have a great day, and then we spend some time one-on-one with the with the um, uh, students that are over at their at-risk home, and we go and we teach them a little bit about you know life skills and along with you know our specific sports. And we do that every year. And then this year we have a different initiative. Every every sport is going to do their own community service act. Um, I know our baseball and softball programs are heading over to the Miracle League in Upper St. Clair. We have some uh, teams going to the food bank. We got some doing all kinds of different things in the community. And how long have you been here on campus? Uh, I've been here seven years. Five. So, yes, wow, yeah. you don't look that. You look very young. Well, I was going to say you, you don't look that old, but you look very young. <laughs> Appreciate and it. And athletic director slash head baseball coach yes. as well. Yes, yes. I've been five years as the AD. Seven. This is my seventh year as the baseball coach. So uh, I got thrown into this young, and uh, I'm very excited. And you know, running with the opportunity. Okay. So now, as we uh, talk about integrity and character uh, with the head baseball coach now. Um, and for our listeners, you know, not everybody listening plays sports or ever, ever even touched a baseball, but we can all learn from people of high character. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. One of your players from the baseball diamond over the last five years that exemplified incredible character while on campus, what are they doing now? And why are you not surprised that they're doing it now? Uh, it's uh, That's an easy one. It's, it's funny that you bring that up now. Cause I just found out today one of our former players is uh, – I enrolled at Northwestern to start his uh, civil engineering PhD, no and kidding. yeah, and he started out here, and he was a great. He was a two-sport athlete. Was a high character, always on time. Yes, sir. No, sir. And you just knew this young man was destined for great things. And he's going to be a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised, um, but it's a great accomplishment on that end, and we're very proud of him. And in a few years, you, he won't return your phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure of that I really I hope I hope he does, um, but you know we're very proud of him. And not only was he you know a great player, he was a great great student. And you know he's just uh, seems like the sky's the limit for him. Well, let's give what's his name? His name's Mike Highland. Uh, he graduated locally here from Central Catholic High School. Was a point guard on our basketball team. Uh, was a utility guy baseball wise, and just you know did a great job. Did a great okay, job. Mike Highland, Doctor Highland. Uh, Dr. If you're Highland. listening in the Chicagoland area, Northwestern University. Hi, Mike. How are you? Thanks for being part of the show. Jim Chester, you've been a fantastic host. I love the campus, Penn State, Greater Allegheny. Anybody listening, check it out online. Uh, come to school here. I'm sure their admissions office would love to hear from you. What's the uh, website? Uh, ga.psu.edu. And uh, yeah, we love you. And if you know. We love our general student population, but if you're an athlete, no, we'd love to have you. All right, that's Jim Chester. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.